Welcome to The Five Things This Week in Social. On this podcast, we pluck stories from social media meticulously. We arduously analyze them and then provide powerful points of view, all to give you the credibility to sound incredible and no credit needed. Today, we welcome back Associate of Social and Connections, Kylie McDonald, and we have Group Director of Social here at Gray, Kane Fair. Hi, Kylie. Good morning. How's it going? Good. When you were in grade school, were you a school lunch person or a packed lunch person? Oh, I was a picky eater. So I was a packed lunch person. Dino chicken nuggets and barbecue sauce strictly every day. Did you get little notes from your parents in your bag lunch? No, but I got these little gummies and my parents would switch up which gummies were in there every day. So that was their note of love. Gummies are such a joy. Hello, Kane. How are you, my friend? Hi, Joey. Doing all right. Thank you. Kane, did you have a grade school teacher that you really liked or one that stuck out to you? Actually, yes. So funny enough, my brothers and I are all four years apart. In the school system, we only had one elementary school, one high school, etc. We had a, we had a grew up in a small town, so we had a lot of the same teachers. And there was one, Mrs. Miderman. If you're listening, super shout out to you. She was awesome. She uh, she had all three of my brothers, and I'm the middle child, so my older brother always hyped her up as the coolest teacher ever, and she lived up to it. So yes. Very much so. That is awesome. Well, I'm Joey Scarillo, and I am excited to welcome the students from PS175 and from Thomas Edison CTE High School in New York. And their podcast club is actually here watching us record this episode ever so quietly. So if we seem like we have a little extra pep in our step today, that is why. And we want to thank them and their teachers for joining us. Okay, let's get to the things. First up, Kylie tells us about Instagram founders launching a new social app called Artifact. Then Kane gets us ready for the Super Bowl with the TikTok tailgate live stream. Kylie gives us the really real on the reality dating show Sweeping TikTok. Then Kane breaks down the news on newsletters on LinkedIn. And finally, Kylie tells us about Twitter canceling co-tweets. All right, friends, that was a lot of alliteration today. So let's get started. Kylie, tell us about Instagram founders and the new social app Artifact. Yeah, Instagram founders are launching this new app called Artifact, not to be confused with any dinosaur bones. It's essentially trying to be a curated news experience based on your personal engagement with the app and your own niche interests. Users will be able to tap on articles and Artifact will serve you similar posts and stories to those articles in the future, purely based on your interactions, very similar to TikTok's For You page. To me, this would all make sense for it to solely be a curated news feed, like just news. However, the app also intends to have a following feed, similar to how Twitter is now set up, which Twitter users have already expressed their disliking of the following and for you page on Twitter. So it's kind of confusing why a brand new app would try to replicate that. And it also poses an interesting dialogue around three things, whether it's better to receive news within our niche silos, kind of like an echo chamber, or is it better to be exposed to news outlets we may not personally align with? Like, do we want balanced news like Twitter is trying to do more of? Or should we be influenced by our social circles and be following friends and then friends, whatever 
whatever they tap on will also show up in our feed. So there's those three things to also consider. That's really interesting, Kylie. You know, one of the last apps that we talked about that was new on the scene was Be Real. And, you know, we were really skeptical about how brands could get involved. Kane, do you see an opportunity for brands to get involved here on Artifact? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of set up perfectly for a brand to jump in and put in, you know, whether it be an ad placement or interject an article or whatever they're calling them in Artifact to serve up a piece of content to someone that's most likely going to be interested in what you're trying to say. If you have the ability to use the algorithm that's already charging away of finding relevant information, you can most likely use that as a brand. So let's say myself, I'm looking for who's going to win the Super Bowl just to keep it relevant. I'm sure that there's a way for New Balance or a football brand to go in and play an ad within that. And while you're getting served up more and more articles around the Super Bowl, an ad might be seamlessly integrated into the app or the UI UX of the new app to promote something, educate someone, inspire someone, etc. You know, so that's on the ad side. And ads like the organic placement piece works. As we talked about Be Real, Be Real was kind of a little bit chicken with its head cut off when it came to monetization and how to leverage for brands. But this one seems a bit more grounded, obviously coming probably from a much more reputable team than Be Real might have been. I think that this will have a, a better entry point, at least from the beginning for brands where Be Real was a bit confusing and hard to understand like how to gather insights or awareness for, for a larger demographic where this seems to have the algorithm back it. Yeah, speaking of the algorithm, Kylie, is AI involved in Artifact? Yes, it's unclear how much it'll be leaned on for it for now. They're definitely in the beginning stages where they're just trying to go with the algorithm and your own engagement determines what shows up on your feed. But eventually it's supposed to be purely AI generated. Well, let's see if the Instagram guys can strike gold twice. All right, Kane. Tell us about the Super Bowl TikTok tailgate live stream. <laughs> you like my own segue when I answered your question with the Super Bowl into this one? I love it. So yeah, whether you're a football fan or you're like me, the fan of the chips and the wings and the beverages and the commercials, Super Bowl next week is obviously one that brings millions of Americans in the globe together like really no other event. This update about how TikTok is using a pre-event live stream event with shows with Chainsmokers and Jason Derulo and all these other acts to actually promote their live streaming services to brands and show how successful this can be. As we noted, and as you may have seen in previous episodes, TikTok is really looking at ways to ramp up their capabilities beyond just their what I'll call now traditional images and videos and audio posting and really begin to showcase its chops in like e-com and live streaming. So here we have TikTok finding out ways to highlight their feature while also being, as TikTok does so well, extremely culturally relevant and using the Super Bowl to sell a brand or their live streaming services is one area that they've tapped into. So like I said, there's a handful of acts, Jason Derulo, Chainsmokers, and they'll be performing at TikToks what they're calling TikTok Tailgate. Also, brands like Doritos have added a TikTok contest. Pringles, shout out to Gray, has leaned into Megan Trainer's TikTok popularity as an influencer and really using the Super Bowl as a campaign for not only showing how brands can use it, but also highlighting the TikTok live feature. I think overall, it's just a really interesting way, in my opinion, that they are using a super culturally relevant where they know they're going to have a lot of eyeballs on it to then just in the back end promote something that's a new feature on an app 
especially on an app that's going to be so bombarded with content and so bombarded with people watching it during, pre, and post the Super Bowl. I think it's awesome. I'm all for it. One thing about the live streaming, just agnostic of the Super Bowl, we talked about this, I think, in our last episode of last year, looking at 2023 as like, a, what are we predicting? TikTok's going to just blow things away at this point. I think with their e-com platform, which isn't what this is about, but looking at live streaming as well, They've got a lot of tools in their basket. And I think that this one is just going to be one that's shining. And this is an awesome way to help promote it through brands and individuals. Kylie, what does a win look like for a brand on TikTok this year? And do you think maybe TikTok could overthrow Twitter's hold on eyeballs during the big game? I think I can answer this question combining those two thoughts, because when it comes to paid versus organic on Twitter, it's more of a gamble to do paid advertising during the Super Bowl because you don't know what your ads are going to be next to which a lot of advertisers have concerns about. Whereas on TikTok, your ads are probably going to be right next to the same content you're trying to almost match in tone and style for Gen Z. More eyeballs are probably going to be on the content on TikTok, if that makes sense. It's going to be the same style that you're trying to emulate in your ads. It's going to be more seamless and seem more of like entertainment experience rather than on Twitter right now. Yeah, of course. Let's stick with TikTok and talk about the reality dating show that is taken over. Kylie, break it down for us. In an effort to break through the noise that is skincare on TikTok, Neutrogena has partnered with influencers and former reality dating show contestants to shed light on an issue a lot of users go to TikTok specifically to solve when they're looking for skincare help, which is when they feel like they're settling for a cleanser just because they heard it from a friend, but it's not actually working great for them. So the whole gist of the show, quote unquote, is that it pits dating show alumni against TikTok creators. They are competing not for love, even though that's how the show is styled. They're competing for this bottle of Neutrogena Hydro Boost Cleanser, which I think is awesome. It's a really clever way of not just product placement throughout the whole show. They say the name of it like a hundred times in a minute, but also it's just really clever because they've expanded even just the videos of them trying to to replicate reality show type style and tone. Each of the creators and previous reality TV show contestants have on their personal like channels content of them just saying what their dating preferences are, which is really just their skincare preferences. So Neutrogena has really done a great job of engaging these creators alongside actual talent and kind of merging them as one, which is interesting because we're seeing so many more creators and influencers transition into celebrities. So Neutrogena has done a really great job of catching that and capitalizing on it. This sounds like a really fun brand activation on TikTok. Kane, do you think Neutrogena is the right brand for this? I think this is interesting. Neutrogena has been such a staple and it's been through so many generations. And I think everyone trusts the brand so much, at least from my perception. You go and if you're looking for anything from sunscreen to acne medicine or anything that has to do with a trusted source, you go to Neutrogena, at least in my opinion. This one's a bit funky for me. I think they're trying to be cool and they're trying to tap into that younger demographic and kind of keep up with the trends because they might be seeing themselves as that stodgy old trusted source, which I'm totally fine with. I don't need Neutrogena to be that cool anymore or not even anymore, that cool to start. So as long as they're producing great product, I think that's cool enough because that's what they're supposed to be doing. This one's a bit bizarre to me. I think they could have probably done it in a different way. I don't think that a reality TV show on TikTok is probably the best starting point. But nonetheless, 
it sounds like it's going well and it sounds like it's been a hit. And I think it's an interesting idea. I think that the spin on it and having it be product focused and brand experience focused versus just a dating star sponsored by TikTok, it's cool. But I think for me, Neutrogena probably should have stayed out of it. I don't think it's needed for them. They've been so valuable and trusted that going into this kind of weird, quirky activation area seems a bit off brand, but they probably know the brand better than I do. Well, that is true. And that's that is good insight there, Kane. All right, let's shift over to one of my favorite platforms, LinkedIn. And let's talk about the newsletters that are on LinkedIn. Kane, what's the latest? They've been doing a handful of updates, but this one is all around what you just mentioned, their, their newsletter showcasing tool. So they've added this tool to help users tap into newsletter growth. So while some platforms have what we've seen kind of scaled back on their newsletter offerings, LinkedIn has actually continued to grow theirs. And they stated that they've actually seen about a 10x year-over-year growth in newsletter creation. It's clearly been something that not only the brand, but also users have been really leveraging for their their companies as well as their, their personal professional opinions. So newsletters have been this really popular means of connection on the platform and, and could really represent how new opportunities for brands and also individuals and how they do outreach. On February 11th, I believe, when somebody visits your profile, they're actually going to be able to see all of your LinkedIn newsletter subscription. LinkedIn sent a message out to its users and said that the reason is to help people discover new content and also stay up to date with industry trends. Kind of going to break it down to three main points here because it is a quite complicated update. But essentially, LinkedIn is introducing this new feature that will allow users to see the newsletters that other users are subscribed to on their profile. Secondly, is this new feature is going to aim to help users discover and identify new content and stay up to date with industry trends. And then also thirdly, the way that they're allowing you to prevent a newsletter subscription from being publicly visible is to unsubscribe from the newsletter. So they really want to make this public forward. And, you know, I go to LinkedIn and I think a lot of us go to LinkedIn to find those newest trends or business related trends and for new updates on brands or finding new data and insights. So I think this is great. It kind of has that feel of what we talked about in the first section of this podcast is how do we look at those algorithms to feed up you the most relevant pieces of content. So if I know that I'm following a bunch of social media feeds and I've locked into a handful of social media newsletters, I'm hoping that I can find additional ones that would serve me professionally that maybe I haven't identified in the past to find more information or find more data or find more insights to help drive my own business, whether it be personally or as a brand. I think it's cool. I think LinkedIn also just for what it's worth is has identified something that they're probably the only platform that's seen great success in and really running with it. So I think that in itself is something that's really powerful to even separate LinkedIn more from what a lot of these platforms are doing. As we've seen this day and age, all platforms are trying to copy each other. So you'll see it pop in this week, maybe even next week, you'll see the newsletters start to populate and show up on your feeds. I love it. Cool. Yeah, this feels like the right fit for this platform. And you're right, all the platforms do end up sort of copying each other. Kylie, this one feels like all roads leading back to Twitter, which I know about a year or so ago was trying to be the leader in newsletters. Do you think this will pay off for LinkedIn? I definitely do think it'll pay off for LinkedIn just because they're going about it in a way that's more accessible, which is key here. I personally didn't find Twitter newsletters super accessible at first. There was an aspect of gatekeeping 
for a very long time with them. And that's exactly what LinkedIn is trying to avoid with these new updates. Also, just like from a younger talent perspective, like another note to add to the conversation is like, this is going to make it so much easier to look for people that you have similar interests in. And LinkedIn is a platform for like making connections and looking up to people in your niche industries. And so this is just another step of trying to relate more to people that you want to emulate in your career and be able to chat with someone about their newsletter interests. Like it's just another way in connecting with, I don't know, seasoned people in the industry. We love it. Well, of course, I have to mention because we said the word newsletter, that we have a newsletter for this podcast that we do also post on LinkedIn. So maybe we'll look into going down this more official newsletter road on LinkedIn for the five things newsletter. All right. Like I said before, all roads lead to Twitter. Kylie, take us home with Twitter canceling co-tweets. So this is just a very abrupt, cut and dry platform update. Co-tweets used to enable you to collaborate on a single tweet with another user or brand, providing new opportunities for cross-promotional partnerships. This seems like an odd move for Twitter that's trying to attract ad spend. Meanwhile, it's fully getting rid of this partnership like highlighting partnerships. Personally, like whenever I would see a collaborated tweet with two brands, it would add legitimacy to whatever they were trying to do and whatever was in their posts because you have two brands fully backed by it rather than just one voice kind of going for this, whatever was in a post. I think it's an odd move on Twitter's part, especially when they're trying to attract ad spend from a lot of brands. This just seems limiting, in my opinion. Kane, are you surprised that... Twitter is getting rid of the co-tweets. Are they just getting rid of everything fun over there? There seem to be some fun suckers over there, don't they? I am surprised. Like, I agree with everything that was just said. And Kylie's like, your points are spot on. Why, when you're looking for a platform to become re-energized with trust and a platform to get back into a priority for brands to use, this seems like one that they would want to ramp up versus takeaway. It might just be a simplification of the platform and the capabilities and get it down back to its simplistic ad units. But I, I think this is a, a bizarre one. It'll be interesting to see if they come out with a reason why versus just, as we mentioned, this abrupt cut and dry update, kind of just telling you what it is with no rhyme or reason behind it. But yeah, I think it's weird. You know, when I see something, for example, on Instagram, where it's a co-branded post, that just shows me that those two brands are, you know, shaking hands and they're saying what we're about to say is something that we both agree on. And it's going to be vouched and trusted and approved by both of us, where Twitter seems like that platform that sometimes brands go awry and spark something that may not be something that's trusted by everyone. So this would have been a, a great mediator for that issue. So we'll see. I agree. It's it's a bizarre one. Well, I will not hold my breath waiting for for them to give us any further explanation over there at Twitter. But I am excited about the Super Bowl and I'm excited about all the things that we talked about today. Well, that does it for us, my friends. If you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, review us, like us, or write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, or complaints, or just send us a thing you want us to discuss. You can do all of that by emailing us at podcasts at gray.com. Of course, I want to thank our panel today, Kylie and Kane. As always, I want to thank Samantha Geller, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. This week, we'd like to thank Adriana, Alicia, Yolanda Haynes, 
Ainsworth and Yashira Torres. And a big shout out to the students and teachers at PS175 and Thomas Edison High School and their podcast clubs. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And finally, thank you, listener. And as always, be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Samantha Geller. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Amanda Fuentes and Guy Rosemarin, with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde and Adrian Hopkins. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com. <laughs>